the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and to the persecuted church in North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 522. The recording is being done on July 16, 2016. Today, stories from North Korea. Some of these are a little old, but very true, and very much like the things that are happening there today. This is our heritage. These are the people who have gone before us, some of them, and blessed us and set an example for us how we can follow Jesus also. I'm reading first from a story that I found online about Jean Kenmu's decision to fake his own death and escape North Korea. It all began with a box of popular local herbs. Working as a hotel manager in the capital, Pyongyang, he was one of the few North Koreans allowed to be in close contact with foreign guests who were on state-sanctioned visits. One day he gave a Japanese visitor a box of ginseng as a gift, who in turn gave him a $300 tip. That was an act of generosity that would change his life forever. He explains that from South Korea, where he has lived since 2003. Commercial activity is prohibited by North Korea's collectivist leadership, but in the 1990s, as famine killed hundreds of thousands of people, a thriving black market emerged. By 2004, North Korea's first industrial park had opened, and authorities started to allow citizens to slowly engage in business. Jean seized the opportunity and started to import clothes, bikes, and other goods from China using the $300 he had been given, a small fortune by local standards. He used it as startup capital, selling his wares on the black market at home for a profit. Soon, he says, he had amassed around $100,000. That's a substantial sum in a country where the average salary is less than $1,000 a year. While some basic shopping was permitted in the early 2000s, most citizens were still relying on the state ration system for food and clothing, he explains. Underwear and socks were handed out quarterly. Shoes were provided more rarely. Everything was scrupulously recorded. Jean's business helped his customers supplement their state rations and made him very wealthy, but also put him in great danger. Large amounts of foreign currency in private hands poses a threat to the authorities, especially if this money is not shared with the state the way that it wants, he explains. When his business colleagues started disappearing, he became afraid. It was just a matter of time. Tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, in a week, they were definitely coming for me, he says. Jean believed it would be too risky to cross the border with his family, so he decided to escape alone, faking his own death to shield his wife and two children from the potential repercussions that can befall the relatives of defectors. For $50, he arranged for a forged certificate that said he had died in a car crash. 
This was the only safe option for his family. If they had known that he was alive, that he had fled, but hadn't reported it to the authorities, they would have severely punished him. He made his way to the border with China, where he pretended he was on a routine trip to buy goods, but he never returned. Jean then spent four months lying low before applying for political asylum at the South Korean embassy. Arriving in the capital, Seoul, Jean was met by intelligence agents and then taken for a briefing. He was then given specialized support given to all defectors to help them adjust to life in the South. It's very difficult for people who have lived all their lives in a socialist country to adjust to a capitalist lifestyle, he says. In the North, the ruling party tells you what to do your whole life. You don't make any decisions. The South forces you to make all the decisions yourself, and at first this is incredibly difficult to understand. Jean is now 60, more like 70 now, works as a broadcaster at National Unity Radio, a South Korean station that tries to broadcast messages to North Koreans to counter their government's propaganda. He's never remarried and says he has never given in to the temptation to contact his family in Pyongyang either. If the party finds out that I'm alive and that I'm in South Korea, my relatives will be in big trouble, he says. As long as I'm dead, they're alive. That's what I think about every day. He continues to keep a low profile, never posting comments or photos on social media. He's changed his name since defecting and refused to be photographed for this story. Although he fled more than 13 years ago, he says he still has nightmares about being caught at the North Korean secret services. I think fear will stay with me for the rest of my life. Now, I don't know if that man is a believer, and I didn't tell you the story as a testimony-type story, but to give you more insights as to what life is really like in North Korea. And yes, many believers are living that kind of life, and I want you to pray for them. Let me go back to my book that I wrote a few years back. Uh, it's Hackberry House, Volume 1, Two Years with North Korea and talks about the ongoing pain of a, of a nation that's so in need of your prayer. I've put it together almost like a daily devotional. You can read, there's over 300 stories, so you can read them one at a time. This is available at Amazon.com. I'm on number 49 right now. I'm not going through the whole book, but certain ones that kind of stood out to me as things that you might be blessed with. And these are rebroadcast, these next few stories. I've put them on uh, on my website before as individual stories. Now I'm combining them into two or three or four at a time. This is called, We've Waited 40 Years for Communion. It's from, I'm sorry, yes, and what I've done, <laughs> I took from another book and put these in my book, but I'm giving you credit here. They they come to from Extreme Devotion. Now that book is available at Voice of the Martyrs. And again, a whole series, another devotional type book about uh, persecuted believers in different parts of the world. <clears throat> what is it? The missionary asked his friend while preparing to go into North Korea. Just take it. You'll know when to open it. 
He was disguised as a businessman, and the missionary journeyed into North Korea. He was assigned a communist guide who had a habit of taking long naps. Seeing his opportunity, the missionary quietly left the hotel while his guide slept. He entered a nearby village and met up with a small group of believers. As soon as they realized the young missionary was an ordained minister, they said, You must baptize us. We've waited for someone to baptize us. Well, in a land where possessing a Bible can mean a 15-year sentence, a formal baptism would mean certain death. Without any lake or river nearby, the missionary simply prayed over the believers one by one as a symbol of their faith. But to his amazement, they were not satisfied. We've waited 40 years for communion. One of the believers immediately brought out some rice cakes. The missionary thought, well, they had a baptism without water. Maybe they could have communion without drink. And then he remembered the gift his friend handed him before going into North Korea. He quickly grabbed his travel bag and took out the package. It was a bottle of wine. Speechless, each villager wept openly, praising God for this timely gift. Now, I've been an advocate for believer baptism in water, dunked, submerged for 50 years plus, 60 years, 70 years, I don't know how long. I still am. But I've never lived in North Korea. I still can't comprehend the price of being a Christian there. I'm spoiled. Now, I'm not alone. Let's continue to weep and to pray, not only for believers such as these, but for our own coldness of heart as we live in such abundance. In every nation, those and only those who draw near to God will find God drawing near to them. Next one, number 50 in my book, Beaten to Death for Bringing in a Bible. This also is from Extreme Devotion from Voice of the Martyrs. Well, they begged and begged me, but I couldn't give it to them, said the man. I know Christians are supposed to share, but I just couldn't part with it. He sadly held out his hand so that his listener could see his prized possession. I really wanted to, but I couldn't. You see, people in North Korea told me that they've been praying for 50 years to get a Bible. But I didn't give them mine, because I'd been praying for 20 years, and I'd just gotten it from a pastor in South Korea. He sighed deeply as his mind went to the needy believers in North Korea, desperately praying for one copy of the Bible. He hugged his Bible to his chest. He had escaped the communist prison state and was now living freely in South Korea. Bibles in North Korea are rare. Because of the opposition from the communists, believers consider them more precious than gold. One man was beaten to death with an iron rod along the Chinese border when he was caught bringing Bibles into North Korea. Sadly, cases like this are reported over and over. I cannot forget those people, he said with a sigh. I cannot forget the look of envy on their faces when I showed them my Bible. I feel so bad for them. Yeah. Well, I feel bad for them, too. It helps to pray, but I'm regularly asking God 
I hope you will too. How else can I help out? Will you join me? Again, the above article borrowed from Extreme Devotion. You can go to persecution.com and check that book out. And another one from that same book called He Was Executed Right in Front of Me. What happened? Asked the North Korean mother as her son walked through the front door with a look of shock. I was with my friend today when two police officers stopped us. They knocked my friend down. They accused him of being a Christian. My friend did not try to defend himself. Even with a gun pointed directly at him, his face remained peaceful. He looked straight into my eyes, and without speaking a word, I knew what he was saying. He wanted me to believe the same thing he did. And then he just said, Bless them. He was executed right in front of me because he was a Christian. I don't even know what a Christian is. I don't understand any of this. After he shared his story, his, his mother held his head in her hands and simply said, I understand. She then began to share with him the truth about Christ, her Savior. She taught her son about Jesus' miraculous birth and the opportunity for salvation that came through his death on a cross. Though it pained her that she had never dared to tell her son because she worried for his safety, she was thankful that God was giving them a second chance. As those bullets hit your friend's heart, God planted a seed of hope in yours. Today this young man is active, smuggling Bibles into North Korea and planting house churches. Wow. Well, let's do one more from that same devotional. I do hope my stories are not depressing you, by the way. I say, that, I say it because sometimes they make me feel a little low. In the natural, the news coming out of North Korea is horrible. It's a constant drip, drip of sadness. But then these horrors are creating 21st century heroes, too. Those biblical giants of faith that you've read about and you thought existed no more, they do exist. Since persecution didn't end in the first century, heroic acts of courage didn't end either. Saints of God, without these trials, how else can we shine? Check this one out, for example, again from Extreme Devotion, published by Voice of the Martyrs. As he slowly came around, his eyes adjusted to the smoke. He cried out for his pastor, but no one answered. Horrified, he quickly began digging his way out of the pile of flesh and rubble. That morning he had been among a group of 190 North Korean believers when the police stormed in, rounded them up, and harshly marched them to the town center. Their nation's leader, Kim Il-sung, grandfather of the present leader, stood before them. He walked to the center of the square and drew a line in the dirt, ordering those who wanted to live to deny Christ and cross the line, not one step forward. Infuriated, Kim Il-sung ordered the group thrown into a mining tunnel with sticks of dynamite. The last thing the surviving believer remembered was his pastor, consoling and encouraging the group, realizing he was the lone survivor. He cried, Why, God? Why didn't you let me die with the others? God immediately filled his heart with peace, 
and he knew that someone must remain and be a witness to their faith. This was the first of many brutal attacks by Kim Il-sung's form of communism and worship called Juche. News of the heroic event spread among the Christians and is still told today in North Korea and, by the way, in America. And through the Internet around the world, everything Satan does to us backfires in his face. Eventually, he'll be the one dynamited into eternal punishment, while the ones who were faithful and suffered with Jesus will shine like the stars forever. There you have it for today. North Korea. North Korea. What's going on there now? Oh, it's, it's still happening. The stories continue to come out. I've shared some of them right here, and I'll keep finding them and bringing them to you. God bless you today. There's a long series on North Korea on this website. I hope you'll look these up. And two or three times a week, I do a North Korea update in a photo fashion with a few comments that go with it. So you just click on photos there and click on the albums that you see first two in particular are current recent updates god bless you for being with me today and i gave you genesis 39 2 to begin with because as these prisoners are in prison so was joseph but the lord was with joseph and he became a successful man the lord is with these prisoners in north korea too all of north korea is a prison and they too will become successful as they follow Jesus, maybe not like Joseph was, but they will shine with Jesus forever. True, true great success has uh, been given to them already. God bless you today. We'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.